0: Good morning to all of you. I think I'm going to share just a little journey. I see Becky's back. Some of you probably don't know that uh, Becky's mother's sister's funeral is going on right now. Down in California. It wouldn't have been nice to have been there. Most of you probably don't know that Becky's mother had a heart attack a couple days ago. And it wouldn't that be nice to be there? So it's a journey. Probably more so for my wife than for me, because as we already said, we're looking for a little baby, so it doesn't work very good to, to go away either. And with this, it's just a blessing to be here. And, but the journey is real. And where would we be without God's word? And where would we be without one another and the Holy Spirit of God to? Bless us and to assist us and bring blessing into our lives. As we embark on this little study in Thessalonians, we are not going to spend much time in the book today. We're going to lay some groundwork regarding what it looks like to study a book of the Bible. This is Bible school, I understand, so it is a time to teach the Bible, and it's also a time for us to, together, learn how to study the Bible. And I am uh, blessed, very blessed, by... Uh, This time and this opportunity to work, and it's actually helped me to put some things in my own mind, uh, point by point, to help me as well in future study. This is what God does. And for you uh, students that's here, we're going to start right here with Aaron, and we're going to go down and back and forth. And when we have, when you see a red scripture, there's one down there at the bottom and there's several more. When you see a red scripture there, when I tell you, you be ready to read that. Whoever's next, be ready to read that. And I may uh, restate a little bit of it. Maybe not because you didn't do it right, but just so that it can be heard. uh, The point that I would like to get across. So we're looking at the the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we have an objective in our study in the book of 1 Thessalonians, and before this is all done, the Lord willing, we're going to spend some time in there teaching and learning together and, and coming up with with study material together even because what I want to do here in this study is for us to together come up with an outline on this book that means something to all of us I think is going to be a whole lot more productive than me just standing here preaching to you for five days, but together we're going to work through this somewhat systematically, and we're going to develop an outline, we are going to learn some, I think, important things that are very important when you study the Bible to understand. So the objectives of this study, part one, is to understand why it is important to do book studies. I will reference the sermon we had Sunday morning, as you know that that was a subject study very profitable type of study. Very effective in bringing a specific point, a specific message regarding a concern or whatever it might be. It's a wonderful way to bring forth the scriptures. But we're talking, as we go into the study of 1 Thessalonians, a different approach to bringing forth an understanding and and learning scriptural truth. So we're going to understand why it is important to do book studies. We're not saying that any other way of studying is not good, but why it is important for us to do it this way sometimes. We're going to look at a way of how to do book studies. And as I said, we will, part three, do a study on the book of 1 Thessalonians. And then lastly, we will see and allow God's word to make application in our lives. So that's what we want to do with this study. So we just go forward. What the time look at? Grace. He said, "We got grace." I like grace. I want to take advantage of it. I don't want to continue to sin that grace might abound. So, as we move into this, part one is to understand why it's important to do book studies. First thing, and this is going to feel a little academic this morning. It's going to feel like that. Uh, We're really not going to where we we need to go, and we're not because we're not done yet, but it's just a step. So bear with me with that. As we understand why it is important to do book studies, number one, it's because of the importance of literary form and context. And what I mean as I talk about literary, literary form, is when we read the scriptures, there's different kinds of writings that, that we have to look at in different ways. There is poetry, which would be the Psalms, the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song and Solomon. They're, they're poetry. Now, just to illustrate that, the psalms, the definition of psalms, if you look it up, is a sacred song or hymn. So the psalms are a song. And you can find that if you look through the scriptures as they went to Jerusalem for the certain feasts and all. They would chant or sing in what they would have known. These certain psalms and all of that... And so when we, when we study the Psalms, we have to look at them just a little bit different. Or a proverb. A short, pithy say in general use, stating a general truth or piece of advice. So it's just something that, that is short, it's quick, and it has a very, very powerful place in the lives of all of us. But it's really not some uh, theological uh, expression. In fact, there are Proverbs that we could read today that we could even uh, look at that and say, well, the teaching of Jesus maybe looks at that just a little bit differently. Or it's, it's revealing something in another setting. So we have to take all that into context, and I didn't want to spend much time on that, Ecclesiastes, uh, we talked about the poetry. Uh, Ecclesiastes just simply means preacher. And uh, the preacher had a few things to say in Ecclesiastes. As he made a pursuit, which was probably Solomon, as he made a pursuit in his life trying to figure out what life was all about, at the end of his life, the way I would understand it, he wrote in that book, Want life, and all the places he turned to find life and, and he didn't find it. So we can read the book of Ecclesiastes and you read some things there that, uh, that is scripture but it's not necessarily the basis whereupon we want to live our lives on just because he tried it. And we need to know that. Good reference, scriptures, but we need to know that. Song of Solomon an allegory an allegory that was one of the things up here that I said that literary form is poetry and allegorial an allegory and the Song of Solomon is both poetry and an allegory it's both of them So we're going to deal with that on down here just a little under allegory. It's allegorical. Hosea, Song of Solomon. In other words, it is written in an allegorical form to where it's written, it has another meaning behind it. That's that's a very, very important meaning. As we look at allegorial uh, subjects, uh, a synonym of allegorical, or an allegory, is symbolic, metaphorical, figurative, representative, and emblematic. Them are all synonyms for allegory. And as we look at allegories, be ready for, 42231, you've got it All you students have these have this on your paper. What money on you get? Oh,
1: it's got the right. Galatians. I'm sorry. <laughs> <But I know. laughs>
0: I'm still trying to figure out what that love relationship gather is up there. I wonder if it's not an allegory of a love relationship is. Song of Solomon
2: is.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. You're better than me. Anyway, yeah, we're ready for Galatians 4. So as we're talking about an allegory, I want to illustrate uh, what an allegory does. If you read the Song of Solomon and, and you study the Song of Solomon, there is a extremely beautiful, powerful uh, point that is, is expressed in that book about the love relationship of Christ and the church. And, and it's, it's, there's just a lot there that illustrates this wonderful relationship that we have with him. In fact, that's what marriage is all about, the illustration of the relationship between Christ and the church. That's why marriage was ever instituted in one measure to to teach that principle of what was going to happen as Christ was going to come. But we don't look at Song of Solomon and, and base our our life, our 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 conduct of life necessarily on that book. And I want to just illustrate another one that we just that just run into in study. Um as we look at allegories, if you were to study the subject of marriage and divorce, you would find scriptures, books in the Bible like Hosea. You would find other scriptures in Jeremiah in different places. Ezekiel has some. Where there is an allegorial form placed in between and re- revealing God's love for Israel. And very interesting that if you were going to base a New Testament doctrine on those allegories, then depending on how you understood eschatology, you know what eschatology is? The study of end times. When you saw the, the uh, millennium, if you saw one, or if, when you saw the return of the Lord. So however you looked at that would affect the message you got out of the allegory. And so we can look at that and say, we need to be careful what kind of, of basis we take out of that kind of scripture. So allegorical, I just go ahead and start reading read Galatians four, twenty-two through thirty-one, and I want to talk about that just a minute. Okay. Where it is written that
1: Abraham had two sons that one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are in allegory? For these are the two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth the bondage, which is Agar. For this, is Ag- For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren, that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath a husband. Now we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, let's say in the Scripture, Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir, to the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Okay, did we all understand that?
0: Did, did, did that make a lot of sense? As the Bible even was clear, that this, this is an allegory. And there's a message behind that, but that message takes uh, quite a bit of study in the Old Testament and putting a lot of things together to get the message of the allegory. And again, depending on how you put together other uh, features of the scripture is going to make a difference of how you come out. I just wanted to show you a place where it specifically says that this is an allegory. So, allegories are in the scripture. So what we're we're leading to here is because of the... One reason it's good to to do book studies is because we we understand the context of of the type of of lesson that we're studying. And that takes us to the last one, the C there which is expositional, the act of setting forth a comprehensive description and explanation of an idea or a theory. Expositional, or expository preaching, at its simplest, is preaching that is focused on explaining the meaning of scripture in its historical and grammatical text context. So what that is saying there. As we said earlier, that context was a very important feature of study in Scripture. When we do expository preaching like this, or we study in an expository way, and we go down through the Scripture and take it point by point, it is putting the thing in context, and it's bringing out a very, very valuable, important understanding of what this scripture is actually saying. Because God did it purposefully. God did it right. So the context then, as we look at that, the circumstances that form the setting for an event, statement, or idea. So individual passages will make much more sense when we understand the context. It helps us not take passages out of context and misrepresent the true message. And that is a very big possibility when we do subject study. Because we can go into a subject and we can begin to to unpack that subject and go into different scriptures and if we are minded to end up with a certain solution or ending, we're going to actually stack the scriptures together to make it come out that way. I have a thesis 50 pages long at home by someone who did that one time and sent it to me and and said, what do you think of this? Because they wanted to do something that the scriptures... I didn't think supported. And I read through that, and I got done, and I was determined one more time that all roads lead to Rome if that's where you want to go. You can make it work by pulling scriptures out and isolating them. So it's a very, very important feature that we're looking at and understanding what it means to... uh, do a, a study like we're hoping to do here. So we, we are saying now that, that we want to do a study that's expository. It's uh, it's in a way that uh, it, 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 we just follow down through and, and it makes sense. And we look at context and it helps us as one way to study the scriptures to understand what God was wanting to say a little bit better. So the second point we have here under this part one of understanding why it's important to do book studies is that it helps understand the setting of the message better. When we do a book study like this, we're not just going and grabbing a verse, but we are looking at things like, "Well, who wrote this? What are some of their unique characteristics?" The person who wrote it. What's what's going on in their life as they wrote this. Where was the writer when this was written? So what are his uh, immediate dynamics, or or the circumstances that he is facing? What are some of his immediate circumstances, as we said? Because he's moving on, life is moving on, and he's somewhere. A lot of the, the New Testament epistles were written when the Apostle Paul was sitting over there in Rome in jail. And that impacts the message. Certainly does. This one wasn't. Who was it written to? When was it written? What relationship do others that are referenced have to the writer or the receiver? Many times there's other people referenced in a writing like this. And it's all part of the package. It helps us understand the geographical setting. You see, if we just go pull a verse, we just grab the verse and we move on. But if we do it this way, then we know the geographical setting. We're going to look at that in this study a little bit because it makes a difference. But I, I like that. I like geography. So is it a large city or just a little group of people in the country? that he's writing to. Is it a coastal seaport area or a main thoroughfare or what? Had the writer ever been there? Or was he basing his letter on hearsay? It helps to understand the culture of the people that the message is to. Now, I want to make a couple comments here about culture. A very, very important thing that we can't get away from. Culture is a fact. By definition, culture is an environment in which something grows in. If you go to the doctor with a sore throat and they take a culture, what they do is they swab that thing, I think, I don't know much about it, but they swab that thing and they put it in an environment to see if it will grow, if it's bacteria. If it's bacteria, it'll grow. And it isn't very long because the environment's right that they say you have a strep throat or you don't. It's a virus. So a culture is an environment in which something grows in. It's imperative that as the letters were written by God... To these different places through men that we understand that God understood the culture and what was growing there. Something was growing there. In our fellowship, the German Baptist Fellowship, we have a culture, and it is what it is. I'm not saying that, that it needs to stay exactly always what it is. But I am saying that certain things are going to grow here. And if we don't want certain things to grow here, then we better change the culture. You know what I mean? Because something's going to grow. Something was growing in Thessalonica. And God knew all about that. And so it's important to understand the culture of the people that the message is to. That's one more feature that's important. The fourth thing is it helps us to be less vulnerable to error. We've mentioned that in several different ways. It takes us on God's plan for revealing truth, not ours. And you just think about the Word of God and how God has put this, this his, his writing together so perfectly. And if we use God's outline, isn't that probably from the big picture a more accurate way to hear the full voice of God than it is for us to make our own outline. Of course, the challenge is, as we look at a a book of the Bible, and we're going to do this, we're going to make an outline. We're going to look at that. And so we can do that in error, or we can do that and, and just simply take for what it says and the way it says it. So we want to take God's plan for revealing truth, not ours. It is not easy for us to get it to say what we want. When you do a book study, it's more difficult to get the Bible to say what we might want it to say. We're here today saying we want it to say what God wants it to say. We want to hear God speak 2 Peter 3.16
1: As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. This is Peter talking
0: about Paul's writing. And how Paul writes some things sometimes is kind of hard to to be understood. And he says, there are people that rest them. They switch them. They, they, They twist them up. And they're not saying what the Apostle was wanting them to say. Peter says, this is a possibility. And there are people that do that. We do not want to be those people. Part two. Uh, We've looked at that, and we've looked at part one, and understanding why it is important to do book studies. Part two, we're going to look for a little while today about how to do a book study. I, too, have an acronym that we're going to work with as we think about how to do a book study. Now there's one place I just shouldn't have had the reference in because I was going to ask anybody if they happen to know where that prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, is at in the Bible. <laughs> that is in our book here. 1 Thessalonians 5.21. We won't read that uh, because that's the whole verse right there. Or at least the part we want. So, what we're going to do on this how to do a book study, this isn't the only way to do it, but this is I just kind of rustled through it this way. We developed an acronym of prove all things. Prove means to test, to discern, to examine, or try. All things is one Greek word, which means all, any, every The whole, always, thoroughly, whatsoever, whosoever. So we're going to use that whole phrase, PROVE ALL THINGS, as an acronym for us to develop a little perspective of what it looks like and how one way it may be to to do a book study. The first thing, as we look at PROVE, to exa- establish the existence or truth or validity. P. Pray. Any time that we're going to do a book study in God's Word, the first thing we want to do is pray. Well, let's see, we got another problem. His Word is sovereign and God is speaking. I need humility. Ask the Father to reveal himself. John 17, 1. You want to go ahead and read that? Sorry. I moved this around a little bit when uh, I realized I wasn't going to have enough papers for everybody to to get a copy and... uh, to try to put on here what I
1: had on here exactly, and so go ahead and read 17.1. These words have I spoken. Have these words spake Jesus, and looked up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, and thy Son also may glorify thee.
0: So one thing we're going to do as we pray, we're going to be asking God, the Father, to reveal Himself. Jesus did that. That's just one of those scriptures. And Jesus actually said, and his desire was that, Father, the hour has come. I want you to be glorified. Of course, he was being glorified in the Son, but his ultimate goal was that God was glorified, whatever that looked like. And there is an account of Stephen. Let's read that in Acts
2: 7.55. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand
0: of God. So here's Stephen. As he was giving his life and he looked into heaven, he saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God. As Stephen was given his devotion to God, He saw the Father. He saw Him. And it was a blessing in His life as He gave His life. The second thing, be there. Desire to see a fresh look of Jesus. Now this is what we're praying for, okay? When we do this, when we begin this work in this book, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to pray that the Father would reveal Himself. And then we're going to pray that we would see a fresh look at Jesus. Let's look at what Zacchaeus said in Luke 19, 3.
2: And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature.
0: Now these scriptures are just kind of little scriptures we're pulling out, but, but they're, they're scriptures of people like Zacchaeus. Notice, he sought to see Jesus, who he was. He wanted to see really who he was. And he was only climbing up into a sycamore tree. We are going into the very pages of the inspiration of an almighty God. And we want to see who he is. That's one objective we have in a study like this. We are going to ask for revelation of truth. 1 Thessalonians 5.23
2: In the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Look at that. Revelation of truth. How about 2 Thessalonians 3.1
2: Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you.
0: See that prayer there? A desire. Colossians 1, 9, through 11.
2: Why not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and having put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him? Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is in all, is all and in all. Okay, I got a bad reference. Oh, I'm there.
0: Okay. Yeah, I need coffee, sir. Okay, coffee. me
2: I thought maybe I had it down, though. To look. No. Okay. Colossians 1, 9-11. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened
0: with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience, and long suffering, of joyfulness. See the apostles' desire for the church of to being filled with all the knowledge of God, acknowledging God for who he is, praying for revelation of truth, deed. The next thing we're going to do in prayer is we're going to renounce the enemy's tactics. I've heard this happen several times. I heard it happen at at church Sunday morning, renounce the enemy's tactics that, that he throws at me to distract me. Luke 21, 36.
2: Watch ye therefore, and pray always, that you may be accounted worthy, to escape all things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the of
0: Okay. And one more, Matthew 17, 21.
2: However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and
0: fasting. So there are certain things when we find ourselves in the presence of God that, that the scriptures say require prayer and fasting. I want to just make one little comment. I don't know what all is, is going to happen as we go forward in the, in the preparation of fasting the next couple days. I just want to make a quick comment. I've got to get moving here. But as as we couple prayer and fasting together, very, very important thing to do, I want us to keep this in mind, that when we fast, we are not fasting so that God will give us what we want. Fasting is a demonstration of our devotion to God that I am willing to empty myself For what he wants. And there's a lot of difference. How many times have we heard. That I prayed and fasted. And it never happened. Where when we fast. We are making a a purposeful. Intentional. Devotion to God. And say God. I'm willing to be empty. To be doing without. That your. Message comes to me, whatever that is. Just one little tidbit. This kind goes not out, but by prayer and fasting. Two, read the entire book several times. Listen. Hey, what does God say? When reading words, listen for spirit. When sizing up people, listen for heart cry. Anthony told us yesterday about the Oxford Group. Read, pray, listen. Railroad crossings. Good thing every time we come to one of them things. Get this idea in our head that when we deal with God, we need to stop, look, and listen. Listening. Learn to listen. We heard about that last night. James 1.19 Thank you. Hear that? Let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. I thought about that last night when I was sitting back there listening to all you singing and, and Anthony was trying to get everybody up here. I, I thought it was more scripture for me to sit back there and listen. So see how we can use scripture? Yeah, we can do that. But it was pretty. Very nice. And, and thank you for that. But that, that we can do that. You see what I mean? That's what we can do with Scripture if, if we're minded to do that. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.11. Here's one of our verses. And that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your
2: hands as we command. Can
0: can. Okay. So we're going to read the Bible entire book several times and I'm wanting to encourage us to do that in the next few days. Let's read it. All of us, let's read this book all the way through every morning. Okay? We need to do this. And we need to listen. We need to listen. I say it often. When we pray, even, we need to listen. Don't talk all the time when you pray. Spend time listening. God. He wants to speak to us. He has something for us. When we read the word, we are desiring to see the Father and see Jesus and not just read words. That's what we want. We want to hear the voice of God down deep in our hearts. That's why we're doing this. Elijah, uh, 1 Kings nineteen twelve. And after the earth spake a fire, for the Lord was not in the fire, and after fire, is still small voice. We heard that last night, didn't we? It's not on the fire. It's just hearing the voice of God. The voice of God in our lives. So, observation number three. Looking for grammatical rhymes and keys. Did you hear what Pete said a little while ago in the book of Ezekiel? 63 Sometimes there is a phrase, what was that phrase? They shall know that I am the Lord. They shall know that I am the Lord in the book of Ezekiel. That's, that's good stuff. Because that takes us somewhere about what God would say to Ezekiel. Sixty sometimes in one book. So what we're doing is we're we're making observation. We're going to look at emphasis, the amount of verses devoted to a specific topic reveals. Uh, it's important sometimes. I don't want to hang my hat too far on that. All scripture is important. But when there's a lot of verses to it, it's something we need to sort through a little bit. There's a lot to it. Repetition. Look for words and thoughts that are repetitious. Suffer. Three times there in the book of 1 of, uh, Thessalonians. Coming of the Lord. Five times. I just put those down. A little star behind supper means you can do a search and you put that little star there and if, if every other word that's got an ending on it, it'll add that on there too. C. Relationship. We're observing relationship. We want to see relationship. Identify connections between sentences, verses, people, and thoughts. And the relationships of cause and effect. See that? There's things in the Bible that's a cause and then there is an effect that comes from that. A problem and a solution. There's contrast in the Bible as we read through it. Supporting evidences or examples. These are things we're wanting to look for as we go through the book of Thessalonians together. We want to, And as you read it, you be thinking of this. That's why all of you have that paper with you and you have these points down and and look at this as we start through this and we make observation of what's going on in this book and we're going to see in some books there's Old Testament references, there's experiences, there's testimonies of people that wrote them or, or those that it's written to all of them are part of what God is doing and he's illustrating some powerful points make an outline D, develop an outline. We're going to do that. I'm probably going to come up with several outlines and we'll talk about it instead of all of us trying to to come up with one together. We'll, We'll talk about does this fit or does this not. But develop an outline. What's the Holy Spirit's logical sequence here? What's He saying? Make top-level headings. Where the book break in main thoughts. Make second-level headings, dividing each top-level heading into, and then third levels if it's necessary. See, we're talking about proving, right? Proving, pray, read, observation, validate. We're going to validate as we read through, and we do this. We're going to look at other scriptures. And say, well, does this line up with other scripture? 2 Peter 1.20. Knowing this verse, that no prophecy of
2: the scripture is of any private interpretation.
0: Thank you. Peter says there that the scriptures all work together. We can't come up with some solution or understanding of this that's not consistent with the word of God in other places. It's important that we validate it with other scriptures, historical evidence, outside reading gives valuable data, outside reading, you know, uh, a commentary, a Bible handbook or something like that has its place. Not that we swallow it hook, line, or sinker, but I really like them. In fact, we're going to look at one of them. We're going to look at some things that, that somebody has done some study on, of the backdrop, the condition, of the what, what Thessalonica looked like, what it would have been like in that area. We don't know any of that unless we go and we study it and, and read about it ourselves. So that's got its place. See, the Holy Spirit, uh, take time to meditate and hear God. Psalms 1-2. That his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law that he meditate day
2: and night.
0: Meditation. Meditation, very, very important feature. Meditation, here's one way meditation works. Meditation, one way you can do meditation is to emphasize different words. Like, prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Amen. Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. You see the emphasis? Kind of like Anthony with his singing. When he when he does this, he something else gets emphasized. And I never knew all of that until he said so. But it makes sense because he changed the pitch. Something changed in that. So that's how we 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 meditate. We we. We bring validation to hearing God speak and make application to me. D, examine. The E on that is the setting of people involved. Who was involved? The the WHs. Who was involved? What happened? When did it take place? Where did it take place? Why did it happen? And all of that. Now, we go to the next one. All. Prove all things interpretation of the complete message. What was the author's purpose for writing? And you can look for that as you read the scripture. What was the author's purpose of writing? What is the local context? Or the context in the verses before and after the one we're looking at? Or what is the larger picture context? Getting the general message of that book. It's very important. Things, All things is the same word as I defined it on up there, things application is putting these things into operation, and uh, we got several scriptures here. Truth, things. Now we're doing a uh, a uh, acronym of things. Remember, we did prove all things. Truth. Am I open to truth? These are questions we have to ask ourselves. John 8:32.
2: the truth and the
0: truth free. If I'm not interested in truth, then we might as well forget the program of freedom. Because that is relative to the work of truth in my life. John 17, 17. Sanctify
2: through thy
0: truth. Thy word is truth. Lord, am I open to truth? I want to be open to truth. I want to be set apart. I want to be set apart from this world through the venue of truth. Truth. established truth. Helpless.
2: Do I see my need? If we do not see our
0: need, we've been told about that this morning, if we don't see our need... then what does God have to offer? We need to see ourselves as helpless at the bottom. I put some notes on my, my page and then I switched pages while I was in the meeting and I didn't have on here from what some of the things Noel said. Appreciate it. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in this life only we have hope in
2: Christ, we
0: are of all men most miserable. Helpless. We are not able to to help ourselves. We need Him. Revelation three 16. I'm going to have an ending here somewhere I don't like Through 19. 16 through 19. So then, because thou art from and ye did not hold my heart, I'll excuse thee out of the mouth. Because thou
2: it. I'm French. Increase with goods, and have the in nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to, to buy of the gold, tried and fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white bringing it, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and open thine eyes, eyes of thyself, that thou mayest see. As many as thou love. I rebuke and chase these elves before in the
0: Thank you. So there we are again. Uh, do I see myself as having need? Or do I see myself as having no need? It makes a lot of difference in what we get out of the scripture. Mark 9, 24.
2: Immediately
0: the father of the child cried out and said to Peter, Lord, I believe. help me." I believe? So here we are. I believe, Lord but there's just a lot I don't know that I need you. I, I know enough to believe. May God help us to that end. Image bearing. Uh, all things here. Image bearing. Truth, helplessness, image bearing. It's all about being more like Jesus. This is the bottom line of walking close to Jesus. Romans eight twenty nine.
2: For whom he did not promote,
0: he also did you see that was the design and the call of God and in the blessing of the church and what he wants to do by the Holy Spirit in us is make us more like Jesus bearing the image of Jesus second Corinthians 3:18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. In 2 Timothy. So that's what happens. That Spirit of the Lord changed, works in our lives to make something, and, and we're more than into the image of Jesus. God breathed. Is this the message to me? Is this message to me, God breathed? this God's message? We want that. We need that. That's what we're here for, is to hearing God's message. 2 Timothy
1: 3.16 All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I think that's a
0: question we need to ask. And we need to ask it before God as we open the Word. God, I believe this word is breathed by you. This is your divine speaking to me. And the question we have to ask, do I really believe that? We want to learn that. And we want to have confidence in his word. Number five, and things is surrender. Surrender. Luke 14,
1: 26-27, and, and 33. If any man had come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that if forsaken is not all that he has, he cannot be like right a
0: Surrender. Are we willing to surrender? Are we willing to be open to what God says? And are we willing to lay down me or God? This is just a little grid of the first two points that we had up there at the beginning on what Bible study can look like and how to do a book study. Prove all things. That's what we want to do. We want to prove all things. We want God's work in our lives, improving. We want to start out with prayer. We want to read the scriptures. We want to make observations. We want to validate it by the rest of the Bible. We want to examine different features and different parts of that. Now, we may want to start out uh, after prayer and, and reading the Scripture. We may want to, to kind of switch to examining and look at the characters a little bit. There's a place for all of that. We do want to start by prayer and reading, though. That's that's the blessing. and We won't be able to read all the way through it in these sessions, every time. So, again, I appeal to us to try to read this book as we go into the work of proving all things. We're going to look at the author's purpose, the local context, the large picture, and things being truth. Am I open to truth? Helplessness? Do I see my need? I don't have a need, God won't speak much. Image bearing. Do I really have a desire to bear the image of Jesus? Do I believe that his word is god breathed? And will I surrender? Am I willing to go? So may God help us as we look at this together. And we follow this little grid, and again I say it's not the only way to do it, but it's one way to do it that I think will be effective for us, and may God help us as we, we do this and we look forward to more in the days that are yet to come.